This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by my dad, Warren Tanner. Uh, feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you can find archived Shabbat messages and blog posts by my dad that he puts out weekly. You can subscribe to those if you put your email in the little subscribe box down at the bottom of our page. Um, at the bottom there, you'll also find links to our social media accounts if you have those things. Um, we post things like my dad's blog, uh, tour portion, sometimes other stuff. You might be surprised. Um, feel free to, uh, subscribe to our Shabbat messages wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple podcasts, Google play, uh, Stitcher, whatever. Our theme music as always is by my buddy, Evan Shaw. You can check him out on Instagram at Evan Shaw music. And then his website is evanshawmusic.com. Hope you have a good week. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does Good morning. Good to see everybody. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Still in Ephesians in my reading. I think the third time through, just recycling it myself for myself. Um, but it's been quite a, a journey for me to see the book of Ephesians open up and develop as, as a whole unit for me. And it's been also fun just kind of not relying on other people's outlines or perspectives on the arrangement of a book or what it's saying or how it's saying it. Although it's very helpful and, and I use them and, and love them and my Bible has that. But for me, when I try to preach it, I, I, I want to see if I can flesh it out for myself, put it together for myself. So we're going to talk this morning from chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 10 through 20. And so we'll pray and we'll get into this. Father, I thank you for this time to be here on this Shabbat. Thank you that uh, we have this day set apart for you and, and help us to just uh, seek to avail ourselves of the blessings of it ask that you'll be with us as we look at your word. And, and again, Father, that you'll do as only you can do in our hearts and lives. This isn't a human book. It's a supernatural book, an inspired book, uh, penned down by men that you inspired. And so it's directly from you, and it's all here exactly how you knew we would need it. So I ask that you bless in Yeshua's name. Amen. So I've entitled this, Our Life is a Warfare. Our life is a warfare. So we'll read the verses 10 through 20. Then I'll say a few things, give you my general outline, and we'll, we're going to zero in on one point for today. So starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, 
and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Initially, I was going to bring in a, a show, a clip from the Band of Brothers at World War II uh, series done by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, but I'll describe it for you. So the scene I was going to show you was that they're paratroopers. This is all true stuff, and they're getting ready to, to, to jump in uh, for the beginning at the start of the uh, Normandy D-Day invasion. And so they're in England. I think it's called Up Pottery, Up Pottery, England. And they're, they're getting ready to embark, to get onto the planes, and it shows them staged there uh, on the ground. And they have on all their gear, all their battle gear. And, and in the scene before that, they, one of the guys is complaining because they have to carry so much stuff and it weighs so much. And, and, and even at the beginning, the, the older guys that are still alive, the real guys that are being portrayed, were talking about how, yeah, when they jumped out of the plane, poof, this blew off, that blew off, all this other stuff blew off from the prop blast. And, and it, it, was, it, was, it was quite interesting, actually. But it shows them all there with all their, we'll call it, armor, their whole armor to go out and fight the battle. And it's a very good pictorial of what Paul is trying to talk about when he says put on the whole armor of God and then he enumerates on, on what that is going to be. And I wanted you to have that visual because I, th I think somehow we, we've lost the awareness that we're in a battle. And, and, I, and, and somehow in our an American, in our, our Christian culture, us, all of us, we're so used to the good life, coasting along. We've not had any engagements. Um, we've kind of been lulled to sleep, though we want to consider ourselves warriors prepared for battle. I'm going to suggest maybe not quite so much. And, it, and I hope to, to bring out that aspect of our need to be prepared. And we have to be... <clears throat> Even in peacetime, we have to be a standing army prepared to go fight at a moment's notice because we have enemies, adversaries that are attacking us, the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia, and all the way down to individual you and me. And, and I have some notes from my Bible here that I'm going to read, and I want me, if nobody else, to get with the program and realize there's a whole lot going on here because one of the major objectives of any enemy is to try to weaken the defenses of those that they are going to attack and fight. And Satan is a master strategician, as I've said over and over and over, and his desire is to weaken his enemy so that when he comes to attack, he can just gobble them up like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. But somehow we don't get that. Now, this is how I want to present the book. The book of Ephesians is our boot camp, the manual, the instructions for the battle we face. Again, the book of Ephesians is our boot camp, the manual, the instructions for the battle we face. And, and, and we need to see it that way from start to finish because Paul works kind of very logically all the way to, hey guys, you're in a battle here. And he ends it with, I'm in prison as proof of the fact we're in a battle. And you cannot lose sight of that. So here's my outline. We're just going to focus on one point, okay, and touch on, just barely touch the third point. The first point is our training prior to battle. That's chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 6, verse 9. And everything that he talks about in there, I, I don't want to, we're not going to get into that at all. But 
if you, in reading Ephesians, see it that way, that it's our training prior to the battle. And oh gosh, I won't even start because if I go down that rabbit trail, we'll never get out here. Point number two, and this is what we're going to focus on, our staging for the battle. S-T-A-G-I-N-G, our staging for the battle. Chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. And that's what I wanted to show you with the Band of bro bro Brothers clip where they have all their gear on, they're getting ready right then and there to get on the plane. They're going to take off. The next time they hit ground, it's going to be in enemy territory, more or less. Yeah. And then point three, our final prayer service to survive battle. And that's chapter 6, 18 through 20. Our final prayer service to survive battle. And you'll notice, if you watch Band of Brothers, there's always a chaplain. There's always a kind of a service going on somewhere. And lots of times just before they go off the battle, when they jump into Normandy uh, and they're trying to find each other because it just, that was a big snafu, uh, it shows a, um, uh, a chaplain is as dark as at night and he's swimming in the water trying to find his communion service thing that he lost in the drop. <laughs> you know, so th there's that, that spiritual aspect to it. And even Eisenhower, he says, to, uh, the final thing he says is, uh, may God bless us on, in our noble cause or something like that. And so there's that spiritual element that kind of wraps it all up. All right, so we're going to focus on uh, number two, our staging for the battle. That's the verses that we just read, uh, 6, 10 to 17. Now, we are fighting a war on two fronts. And we have to get this. We have to get this. As believers in Christ, we are fighting a battle on two fronts. And if you're a fan at all of World War II, one of the areas that Hitler made a big mistake on, in hindsight is, he went to gobble up Russia. <laughs> and Russia ended up gobbling up them. But he was already fighting on one front, and he decided to fight on another front as well. And it, it just was in disaster. Now, we are fighting a battle on two fronts. And that's not a good thing, but that's the reality of it. One is against our own individual selves. There's a battle going on in relation to our own individual selves. It's very personal for Satan. He, he, it's not that he wants to wipe out the whole unit. He does. But he also picks and picks and picks individual by individual. And he's out to get individuals, just like the roaring lion that walks about seeking whom he may devour. He needs a meal to get through right now. There's a good note in, in my Bible here. Um, and you can turn if you want. It's in Galatians chapter 5. And go ahead and turn because hopefully I'm not going to be super, super long but I'm not going to try to get bogged down. I'm going to try not to get bogged down. So Galatians 5, again, this is Paul, verse 16. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Now my Bible has a great note here. Um, I'll just read the whole thing and then I'll point out what I like. One sinful nature, flesh, and the Holy Spirit lust against one another. So a person's, a person's sinful human nature and the Holy Spirit uh, fight against one another, if I can say it that way. That is, they have desires and yearnings that are contrary to one another. Then this line, and I read this back in Galatians and it just so stuck with me. They say... The Christian then is a battlefield. Oh, I thought that was so good. The Christian then is a battlefield. We are a battlefield. The stuff that's going on inside of us, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, these are contrary to one another so that you can't do the things that you want to do. 
And they so wisely say the Christian then is a battlefield, having desires to do good and evil. So that's one front, us. What's going on inside of us? What goes on in our heads? The things that we struggle with, our own personal battles. And, and, and we tend to think we're just the mess up. But Paul wants us to realize Satan knows we're, we're mess-ups and he capitalizes on using us against ourselves to make us ineffective, to weaken us. So that's one front. The second front is against Satan and all his forces. That's the second front. So we're fighting ourselves. I mean, it's just like you think about Yeshua. After the 40 days and 40 nights, Satan took him and tempted him. That's a perfect picture of what's going on with us. The adversary is Satan in trying to use Yeshua, who is weak, physically tired, 40 days fasting, fighting the, the demonic forces, and now the time of testing coalesces. And so Satan tries to use the humanness, humanity of Yeshua against himself to disobey God and take the easy way out. So, the battle we are engaged in is on a level that we cannot win. Okay, please, get this. The battle we are engaged in is on a level that we cannot win. The forces against us are beyond our natural abilities. We can't win this battle in our own natural abilities. We cannot do it. And I believe God purposely made it that way so that we will have to lean on him, depend on him, to be all that we need so that we can be all he wants us to be. So we can't do this in our natural ability. And so that's why Paul says we must be, verse 10, finally my brethren, we must be strong in the Lord and we must be strong in the power of his might. So strong where? In the Lord. But finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. It's just saying you can't do this. Second, finally, my brethren, be strong in the power of his might. And then number three, finally, my brethren, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand. See, we cannot win this. It's impossible. Because the forces that, against, that are against us are beyond our natural abilities. And what is going on is huge. And so we tend to think Satan's going to come along and make us do bad things. Or want us to get, get us to do bad things. Yes. But I want to submit, Satan also wants to get us to not do the things that we are supposed to do. It's not all about doing the wrong thing. It's sometimes about not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, and what he does is, I can't blame it all on him, but sort of lulls us into complacency. And because we sense no urgency, because the, 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 the landscape around us seems to be peaceful. You know, every day, you, you, okay, we might face an enemy. You know, after a month of, well, where in the heck's the enemy? Is there even an enemy? Then you kind of just start slacking off a little bit. It's natural. It's human. But a warrior can't do that because there's an enemy out there watching and knows when to pounce. All right, now, we're going to look at our staging. Well, what's that mean? Our staging. Hold on, I'm losing myself here in my pages. 
All right. Um, our staging, that is, the state, all the preparations that must be pulled together for the engagement with the enemy which is to come. In other words, it's the Band of Brothers guys. They're, they're, they have all their gear on. They are prepared. They're in the plane and they're flying over and everything that they believe they're supposed to have on is on and all the training prior to that that they've had, they are now as prepared as they are ever going to be. They are staged, prepared for battle. And that's what 10 through 17 is. It's the staging picture, the guys getting onto the plane after a long period of a boot camp and underground training and physical preparation and deprivation and, and all that went with that, then learning all the equipment to put on so that they can then put the two together, the strength and everything they've learned with the material that they're given to fight with, put it into one and go. That's where, that's where we are in chapter 6 right now. So what Paul wants us to see here is, is a few different things in this section. First of all, there are two military leaders. There, there, there's two military leaders. It makes sense, right? There's two sides in any battle. So there, there's two generals or whatever that you want to call them. All right, the one is God. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So he's the military leader that we are under, okay? He, he's our commander in chief. When we come to Christ, before that we were dead in trespasses of sin. We were, as Paul talks about, the, the, the uh, children of disobedience. And he, he talks about how all that we were when we were under the command of the other guy. But once we came to Yeshua and... and uh, we're born again and received of his spirit. Now we have a new commander in chief. So that's one of the military leaders in this spiritual warfare, and that is God. So what we are to understand is, first off, God is our source of strength. And we've already looked at it. strong in the Lord, power is might and put on that armor to fight the battle. Now, the interesting thing about God and the way the two diff are different against one another, God is God enlightens. Turn to chapter 1. I just want to see, I want you to see the contrast of, of the uh, arena, all right? So in chapter 1, verse 18, says the eyes, this is a prayer that Paul is, is offering up. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. God is light. He is our source of light. He wants to enlighten us so that we can see the dark forces that we are going to be engaged in that are all around us. So he is our source of strength. He enlightens. The second military leader is Satan. And that's is more than this, and we'll see a few, but it's verses 11 and 12. Satan is our source of conflict. You know, we are fighting against, verse 11, the wiles of the devil. He's our source of conflict. God's our source of strength. Satan is our source of conflict. God enlightens. Satan darkens. He darkens. You see that in chapter 4 and verse 18. Uh, oh, I did this wrong. Oh, and I checked everything too. Oh, so oh, verse eight. For ye were some for eight. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. So, he, Satan, darkens, and and we're also told that um, in chapter six, verse twelve, when you we're not wrestling against all that, but against the rulers of the darkness of this world. So. Those are the two military leaders. You have God, he's our source of strength. He enlightens. And those of us that are saved, we've been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. All right? The second military leader is Satan. He's our source of conflict. He 
darkens. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And they won't come to Yeshua, who is light, because they are trapped in darkness. And they love that darkness. I loved my darkness. When I was lost, I loved my darkness. But then you get saved and you realize, whoa, there's this whole other world of light out there that you didn't even know was there. So that's uh, verse 10 and 11. Now, second point under our staging is, is uh, verses 12 through 17. And, and just the general concept about these verses. Verses 12 through 17 tell us that this will be a personal, close contact, hand-to-hand slugfest. And I got a good note here in, in a minute that we'll be getting to. Oh, 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 I missed a note already. Uh, I got to give it. Uh, no, I've read that one. All right. Uh, hold on, hold on. I just want to make sure I don't miss these things. Oh, okay. So uh, 610. Let's, I got to back up because I just remembered I missed a note. All right. So this is another good note. When it says finally, they, they zero in on this word finally. It says finally may be rendered from now on or henceforth. This is so good. I'm telling you, the notes that they had about all this stuff just kind of just went poof. It, it just made me start visualizing things differently. So they say, the spiritual battle Christians are engaged in exists from now on until the Lord's returned. Now listen, there is no quarter given, no ceasefire, no temporary truce, no cessations, of hostilities. From now on till the end, there is all out war. I'm I bet every one of us sitting here thinking, what, what, all out war, where, where's that going on? But we, we are so blind to what's going on in ourselves, I think we're numbed or, or so used to our condition that we're, we don't realize there's a war going on because we're so used to it. We live it ourselves all the time. We, we don't take inventory. We don't come to God's word. We don't ask him to, to just take the sword of his spirit and just rip us apart and dissect us. Because we're so used to being us, we think we're okay. And I'm trying to get us to see now, this is, these are notes from Liberty University, Jerry Falwell's. It's done years and years and years ago. They're good theologians, good Christian theologians. And I'm telling you, they hit the nail on the head. And we've lost this perspective of this is a battle. Lester Rolf, and when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. You know, he used to sing about the battle of warfare. Now there is no battle. But there is. They just told us that. So this will be a personal close contact, hand-to-hand slugfest. All the forces of evil, darkness, will be against us. A couple notes here that I want to share with you. Turn to Colossians. What's, what's been interesting for me to notice is Ephesians and Colossians are so similar. They are just so similar. It's, it's amazing because they talk about a lot of the same things. So Colossians 1, verse 16. I want us to see these, these forces, these, all the forces of darkness that are against us. For it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So they have a note on, on all these words here. It says thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all refer to angelic beings. Thrones refer to angels who sit on thrones as rulers. Dominions refers to dominions or kingdoms over which these heavenly beings reign. Principalities refer to rulers and powers, rulers and powers refer to angelic monarchs who wield regal power. 
Since Christ created these various ranks of angels, he is supreme over them. This is unbelievable. Folks, I'm, you know, we are against thrones, rulers, dominions, those that are over kingdoms. And, and do you understand what's going on? This is on a global thing. There are all these spiritual forces that are pulling the strings behind the scenes. You know, we want to think it's the Bilderbergers or Bernie Mate, not Ber uh, who's that? Um, uh, uh, anyway, all these uh, George Soros and all these people, and, and it's the big money, one world money bank, and all these people. Yes, it is. But who's in charge of them? And, and we, we want to believe because we've been in America that all our rulers are just guided and directed by God. And yes, I think they are, but... And, and, and I think we bristle against this. Maybe America has a demonic host that is trying to accomplish something through us and by our nation and with our nation. But yet we're still, God bless America, waving the flag, and, and America's a wonderful place, and God is blessed. Okay. But don't forget about all the evil stuff that's going on right now that our country is doing that it never did 50, 40, 30 years ago, folks. We are in a spiritual battle, and we're just sitting around not knowing what to do, and I don't have a plan. <laughs> Other than personal awareness. It has to start there. Now, uh, Ephesians, my Bible had one back in Ephesians 6, another good note on this, uh, on these, these words. So, wrestle, used of hand-to-hand -hand combat, emphasizes the personal and individual nature of spiritual warfare waged against each local ecclesia and Christian. Flesh and blood refers to humanity. Such is not the church's adversary. Instead, she opposes principalities, rulers, powers, authorities, rulers, world rulers, spiritual wickedness, wicked spiritual beings, that is, fallen angels, demons, and Lucifer himself. So if we are okay, maybe it's because Satan knows he just doesn't need to worry about any of us. And if you're not struggling with anything in your life because you think you're pretty much okay, then you are a casualty of this war. And I'm, I'm, I want to swear, Luke. <laughs> uh, we are such a mess because we honestly think we're okay. And folks, we're not. Well, how good do I need to be? What do you mean? What do I need to be? I don't know. But all I'm saying is if you're sitting there and you're really scratching your head to think of, man, what, what does God still need to work on? Well, yeah, I can't really think of anything. Well, where am I struggling right now? don't really have any struggles. Well, then that's not, not good. Because Paul told us the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and we are in a constant warfare. And these guys we always rail on, these Christian guys, they have it together. And we've come into the Messianic movement which hasn't even dumbed us down more. Now, about, I, I want us to see... The, the realm, the spiritual world, realm that I'm talking about. So uh, Ephesians 1, where, where Paul just highlights this over and over, and he does, does it also in, in Colossians, but we're not going to go there. Uh, chapter 1, verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. So there it is again. This, this spiritual world, all these far above all principalities, they're there, folks. They're, it's real. Chapter 2 and verse 2. Ah, well, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walked according, now get this, ye walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And then chapter 3, verse 10. I mean, he, he, he keeps coming back to this just so that we won't lose it. Uh, 3.10, 
to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might uh, be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So this is, this is all-out warfare, folks. So that's kind of more or less all I'm going to say about verses 12 to 17. I'm not going to go through all the pieces, the, the armor and all that stuff. Honestly, I'm not qualified smart enough. I don't even know if it's necessary. You get the idea. All right, so that's 12 through 17. See, we're kind of zipping through this kind of quickly. But don't lose this. 12 through 17, this will be personal, close contact, hand-to-hand combat. All right, now a couple thoughts just on verse 16 and 17 that I, I think out of all this are important to focus on. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All right, so this is talking about war, right? I mean, this is talking about hand-to-hand combat. They're, they're going to be shooting flaming arrows, and, and you need a shield. You, we've all watched the movies, those old movies where the, the, the arrows are going, <laughs> the last samurai and all that stuff. And, and, and so then they, they cover themselves over with all the shields to protect them while the arrows are coming down and trying to not get everything killed and lit on fire and, and all that. All right, that's, that's the type of warfare that we're talking about. And so Satan... Um, uh, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So I'm just picking out these two because they speak to me. So here, here was my thought. Above all, 16, above all. So you're in the battle, okay? You've jumped out of the airplane. You're in Normandy. You've encountered the Germans, okay? And there's casualties, people are dying, and, and you hope to survive. The thing, and, and, and what Dick Winters, who, who um, commanded this, this platoon or this group of guys, was, was good on, is relying upon training. He, 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 uh, um, there's one scene where uh, the, the guys are lagging behind, and he turns around to the, other, to the other guy, Winters, to the other leader that's supposed to be in charge. He said, this is about uh, leaders crapping out on training. Training, 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 training. Above all, there's something we have to fall back and rely upon to keep us alive in this battle, and it's our faith. It's our faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Here's my thought. When everything else crumbles around you, your faith will be the one thing above all that will sustain you. That you know that you know that you know that you are saved, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You you know that the Holy Spirit resides within you, that you've been adopted by God. You are part of his family. He's your Abba Father, and you know that. That is what is going to keep you going when all the flaming darts of Satan are being thrown at you and everything's just trying to rip you apart at the core. What's going to keep you going? It's, it's about not crapping out on training. We're crapping out on our training. We don't memorize scripture anymore. We don't pray like we should anymore. We don't read the word anymore. We're, we're, we just, as long as we get entertained and we feel good, we're good to go. <laughs> wow! so above all then verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit these two go hand in hand so verse 17 my thought the battle rages on you've been fighting in the battle you're down to your last round of ammunition you hear that last sound of an empty chamber. Now all you have left to keep going is the helmet of salvation. You pull that knife out. You know, you're down, it's over. 
You know, you know, the battle's raging. You're spent physically. You're spent your ammunition. Ka-ching, that last sound when it goes. We rely on the, the basics of all basics, physical battle. The physical engagement is it's now not the bullets flying and you hope you get them. It's they're right here. It's that up close and personal. And what you need is that helmet of salvation. Above all, you have your faith, and the faith relies upon your position in Yeshua being accomplished, and now that helmet, that knowledge, is going to protect your head because the battle's in our heads. It's, it's not all just physical, it's psychological. So, the battle rages on. You've been fighting in a battle. You're down to your last round of ammunition. You hear the last sound of an empty chamber. Now all you have left to keep going is the helmet of salvation. You know you're saved, and you know the word of God is powerful and real. And these are the two areas that Satan just beats us to death on. Knowing you're saved. Do you know you're saved? Do you know you're born again? Do you know you were translated from darkness to light? Do you know the Holy Spirit came to reside within you and you knew the darkness was departing and this light was coming? Do you know you're saved? Over the years, 40 plus now, I cannot tell you how many Christians I've talked to, believers, that don't know they're saved, doubt their salvation, aren't sure they've been saved, and they're just kind of flopping around, hoping somehow, something, I don't know what. Even my pastor in New Orleans says that time that he, he, he felt he lost his salvation or didn't know if he lost his salvation. I stand before the evening service talking to him saying, how can you, how, how can you say that? You've been birthed into the family of God. How can you not know that and doubt that? You're not going to, if you doubt your training, if you doubt your commanding officers, and that's part of being a brother, the guy that trained him, he was just a real disaster. All the, the sergeants just resigned. They, they quit their commission before even leaving because they said they will not go into battle with that guy. He'll get us all killed. If you're not sure of your salvation, you are not good for anything. And then on top of that, Satan has done a masterful job of causing confusion and doubt upon what is the word of God. And whether you know it or not, that little quiet thing that runs in the back of your program, when you read the word of God anymore, you're not sure if the translation you're reading is the word of God. Was an NIV right? Is a New American Standard right? Is the ESV right? Is the latest Messianic Bible right? Well, how many translations are out there for crying out loud? Here we have up here um, the, the Revised Standard Version. Is that right? Well, evidently not because the ESV, the English Standard Version, is a revision of this. Which one's the Word of God? I'm glad I grew up a time when we didn't have to battle with that because that has weakened our faith. You say, no, it hasn't weakened mine. Of course it does. Sure it has. How much time, if you even read it, and you see that note, well, in the original language, or, or, or oh, wait a minute, that other translation, that guy right next to me, he doesn't have the same thing as mine. Unless I'm the only idiot. In all of Christianity, it's, it's done a number on our head. So, do, do you know you're saved? And, and I'm not talking about, is, is the Bible collectively out there somewhere? That's how I, it was taught to me. And in good Bible college. And, 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 and all these guys that are out there that are talking about the, all this, it's out there somewhere. It's all there together. No, no, no. See, that's what I was told in Bible college. Well, now we have Dead Sea Scrolls and all this other stuff that's happened. What about if something more is found? 
Now, I, I don't wage war about the translation issue anymore. Just if I can get you to read whatever translation you have, we're all going to be 90% better. So, the last, the last thing. Uh, and, then, and then we'll close briefly on the third point. So, a final thought on this section of verses 12 through 17. All right, here's what I'm trying to say and get across. We must be adequately effective in our knowledge and use of this battle gear. Everything Paul talked about and what it's talking about in this whole armor of God and, and all the training that's gone into it. We must be adequately effective in our knowledge and use of this battle gear. Therefore, we can't just throw all this on at the last minute without prior use and training. But that's what I think we think we can do. Well, here's the whole armor of God. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, oh I feel good. I read about, oh, it talks about my feet. woo I think somehow we think because we are prepared, then when the time comes, we're just going to throw this stuff on, and we don't even know what it is. So we can't just throw all this on at the last minute without prior use and training. Our skills must be honed and perfected as best as possible prior to engagement. Prior to engagement. Prior to engagement. So, lastly, where he talks about praying 18 to 20, all of this, all of this, everything, our prior training, um, all the equipment in these verses, it must all be bathed in prayer. That's our final prayer service. If with everything else, and this is an area of my weakness here. This is an area of my weakness in all this, not that I don't have any other weakness in it. But we can have prior training, we can be skilled in the use of our tools, our, 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 our equipment, but since this is a spiritual battle, it has to be waged from a spiritual platform. Prayer. Prayer. Prevailing prayer. The prayer, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual fervent prayer. Prayer. The, book, the Gospel of Luke highlights the prayer life of, of, of Yeshua, among other things. But, but Luke zeroes in on his prayer life. And, and I've often thought, this is incredible. Yeshua, God in the flesh, he still prays. And he prays frequently. He prays all night. He prays before making big decisions. Blows my mind, before he, before he chooses the 12, he prays all night about this. What the heck does he need to pray about? So folks, I don't know. Come back next week. Luke is, is the guy that does the other part of the two sides of us. Me, I'm, I'm the, you're not going to feel good by the time you leave. Luke heals, <laughs> he puts the bandages on and, and gives us good training. So he's a training guy. He, he's a guy that, listen to him, man. And then he and I both are warriors as well. Want to think we are maybe, right? But we're in a warfare. It's all around us. It's in us. It's about us. It is about us, not around about, but it is about us. It's, in, it's personal in relation to us. And I'm just, I kind of guess, begging us to take some spiritual inventory, see what 
See how battle-ready we are? Do we even know there is a battle? Let's pray. So, Father, just pull this together. Um, it, this, though I preached it as I just did, it has rung my bell. And, Father, you know pretty much everything I preach, it, it's, you've taken me uh, to task on a lot of it and strengthened me or challenged me or taught me. It, it's, it's not just a rant. It's not just some time that I'm detached from and I'm yelling at everybody else. It's, it's me, too. And, you know, sometimes I, I flip it around and say, well, maybe I am the worst of the lot, and I'm the only one that needs it, but I don't think that's the case. So we need to be whipped into shape. There, there, there's a, a, a battle that's about to be, I, I believe, about to descend. Well, not about, about it, it's here. But, I mean, the intensity, the level. And I think our ranks are going to get thinned out. Because there's so many in our ranks that, truth be told, just aren't saved. If R.G. Lee, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention back in the 40s or 50s, whenever it was, feared that 80% of those that sat in Southern Baptist churches were lost. Uh, not 80%. Whatever he said, a, a huge number. Or 50%, I can't remember. So, Lord, how many are, you know... So, anyway, without saying everything all over again, we need to know we're saved. And we need to know the Word of God is our source of strength. So, help us, I pray, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise. Oh, oh.